Welcome to the Emotioneering Podcast with me, Melissa Curran, founder and CEO of the Modern Mind Group. We're dedicated to improving your people skills so that you can have better relationships with others for a much more fulfilling life or career. People skills are not just a nice to have, they're a have to have. So when it comes to organizations as well, this really does impact the workplace and the results that you'll get from that. We're going to be delving into topics such as emotional intelligence, communication, leadership, workplace well-being, mental health, culture, and performance. I'm going to be answering your questions on all of these topics and sharing some insights from my career to help you move forward and definitely emotioneer a modern mindset. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel or on the Facebook page as well as LinkedIn. We look forward to connecting with you there. In this episode, we're going to be looking at how you can improve the management of your emotions. How do you take back that control of your emotions? You know what your emotions are. You know you're feeling angry or you're feeling sad or you're feeling happy. But how, or maybe you're overexcited. But how do you actually control that? What do you do? Well, we're going to be covering that and answering some of your top questions on this topic today. So what's actually the problem when you can't manage your emotions? Well, it means that you will get yourself into overwhelming situations that can cause problems with your relationships, with your family, your friends, your partners. So you can end up having conflict, which is not great and makes us feel absolutely rubbish. I agree. You can also have conflict with your colleagues, with your peers, your friends, you know, if you're in a school setting as well, uh, you may still be at school. So you can also have conflict there. You could have difficulty relating to others. You could end up having the urge to drink or take drugs, or you could end up having physical or emotional outbursts. So that's what the problem is. These things will happen. How do some people appear to control their emotions a lot more? We look at maybe Ant Middleton on SAS Who Dares Wins. How does he manage to control his emotions to be able to go into even dangerous situations or situations that are life-threatening without letting those emotions control what is going on? Because that could also be dangerous or life-threatening by allowing those emotions to overcome us or overwhelm us in a certain situation. So to control your emotions rather than your emotions controlling you is called self-regulation. Try to imagine it like a thermostat within a washing machine. Okay, so a thermostat is there to keep the temperature where you need it to be. And it's not too hot and it's not too cold. Have you ever had a situation where you or someone else you know has gone to the washing machine and has pulled out clothes that are boiling? They are now shrunk. Uh, it didn't do its job, it didn't wash them at the temperature that you wanted them to, and now you have to get new clothes and also call a plumber. Well, that's the self-regulation. So that, that kind of thermostat is there to ensure that that doesn't happen. It doesn't, you know, cause the water to actually boil over. So that's the same within our bodies. This self-regulation that we can master and we can manage our emotions can stop us in certain situations from boiling over. So depending on the hot and cold in the environment, what is going on, your self-regulation can help you from 
display in your emotions to delay in your emotions. One of the things that we can do to manage our emotions is to look at how we control our impulses. So there was a study that was done on children many years ago. There's a video on YouTube that you can look it up and it's called the Mashmallow Challenge. So children were put in a classroom. Uh, they were there with their teacher or with a tutor and they were given a marshmallow on a plate and they were told you can eat the marshmallow now or if you wait until I come back, you can have two marshmallows when I return. But the children didn't know how long that was going to take. And they videoed them and filmed them in how long they were waiting, how they were behaving. You know, some of them were smelling it. Some of them were licking the marshmallow. But they were trying really, really hard not to eat it because they knew that they'd have two by the time the teacher or the tutor returned. Some of them managed it. Some of them did not manage it. And that is what we mean by impulses, our impulse to get that instant gratification rather than to wait, right? Same thing with our mobile phones. A lot of this is to do with dopamine, but I won't go into that now. But if we scroll our phones and we get a notification and then we try to use our phones again and we continue to scroll or refresh to see if there's something new, how long can we go without using our mobile phone, for example? Practice on those impulses start small and then you can continue to extend that out and it is something that you can practice you can practice doing it for a little bit longer put it into your own life if you think oh I've had a rough week oh I have to have a glass of wine or could you say to yourself I'm not going to have one today just for one day I'm going to challenge myself one day I'm not going to have the wine and then could it be two days could it be three days? I know somebody that did this. His name is Danny. And he actually managed to go a whole year without alcohol. Then went, huh, what's the point? <laughs> I might as well never have it again. Uh, so I'm not saying that's the answer. But ultimately, if we're into this spiral uh, where we know we're going to continue to do more and more and more, then maybe it's worth revisiting that and our impulses, what we do when we're in an emotional state. Another area that we can look at is how quickly we can calm down from a period of heightened excitement, for example, or from an angry, frustrated situation that we've been in. So if we are feeling these emotions, how quickly we can release them and relax. So if, if you think if you've been to an event, or you've done a course and your mind is, is going and you're really excited, being able to write down those thoughts, write down what you've learned can help you to calm down from what you've just been involved in. The same thing goes for anger. Anger is going to happen. There are going to be moments of frustration, but how can we channel that frustration and that anger or that energy into a way that isn't going to impact or hurt anybody or anything else? So finding that release, you know, a lot of people will do boxing training. A lot of people will go out for a run. They want to sprint. They want to hit that treadmill because they need to release that frustration or that anger or something that's that's been built up for myself. I know I love playing volleyball. And when I'm with the team, I really just want to absolutely throw everything that I've got at it. It's just something so satisfying about smashing a volleyball and really getting into the game that it just allows me to completely relax and release all of that tension and that frustration that may have built up from the previous week. By the end of the session, we're laughing, we're joking, and I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm in such a different mood tonight. So 
having the ability to channel it in a way that is going to be positive for you is crucial. Coming back to the point about the marshmallow test and about impulses, focusing on a task. How do we manage our emotions by focusing on a task? Now, it is possible to stay and keep our attention with something for at least 20 to 30 minutes when we remove all other distractions. Your phone is in another room. You turn your notifications off. You clear the clutter beforehand. And that's going to really help you to focus. Your, if your emotions are building up around that, it will try to sway you from what you're trying to do. So get yourself into a, a, a good state of mind set up. The, the kind of setup is the practice as well before you go to do the task that you need to do. People skills are absolutely crucial to your fulfillment and your motivation in life to have meaningful relationships with other people and to have a successful career. Okay, those are the, those are the things that many of us want. And it starts with how we connect with others. What are our interpersonal skills, our social skills? The ability to communicate effectively with other people is crucial for all of that. So we have to look at how we interact to be able to also control our emotions and a way to manage those. Because if we are behaving in a certain way that causes upset to somebody else, that can ricochet back onto us. And then again, our emotions get tested. So we have to look at how we do that and adapt our communication style for the right person, right reason, right situation. Okay. Just because you can say it doesn't mean you should, right? That's the way to look at it. So improving our social skills can really help. I'll tell you a story. So I used to work with somebody who thought that it was perfectly acceptable to put the phone down every time to everybody without saying goodbye, right? Now, they, they learned this behavior or this belief system at some point. And in order to get on with others, you have to understand that that, that is seen to other people as being absolutely rude. I don't believe that their intention was to be rude, but they'd started to do it and other people were noticing that this was happening so started to change the way that they felt about that person and when it was brought up they changed their approach okay wasn't extremely fluffy the way that they said goodbye on the phone but at least there was a okay bye thanks rather than just putting the phone down in order to manage our emotions we also must look at how we can change our interpretation our interpretation is partly where these strong emotions or strong beliefs come from. So if you think about an event or something that happens in an external factor, okay, so something happens, then you interpret it in a certain way based on some of your previous experiences. And then if we multiply that interpretation, so we keep telling ourselves the same thing, then it's going to equal a strong emotion. Okay, that's the emotions formula. So if we can change that cycle and we can change how we create our emotions or to replace them 
with other emotions surrounding that particular thing, then we're going to be much more successful in managing our emotions. But that's not going to happen on its own. Managing is definitely about looking at the emotions and looking at the things that trigger us in order to do that. So what do I mean by emotional triggers? Well, think of it this way. Superman, yes, those lovely films that came out in the 80s. And I mean, there's some pretty cool remakes now, right? But when we looked at Superman, what was his crippling challenge? It was kryptonite, right? He would lose his strength, his ability to do things, and it would change his behavior. So it was kryptonite for him. So let me ask you this. What's your emotional kryptonite? I know what mine is. <laughs> so it's something, it's a sentence, it's a phrase, it's a certain circumstance that will really trigger you in a way that you didn't expect. And one of mine, because we do have more than one, right, is the sentence, what's for dinner tonight? Okay, now, why that sends me off, you may ask. I did a little bit of you know, dig in some soul searching on that. But it is one of the questions that depending on the day, depending what I've got going on, can definitely be an emotional trigger for me. And when I did this soul searching, what I actually realized was it's because the sentence kind of has a level of expectation with it that I would be the person to sort out dinner or that I would be the person to arrange it or think about it. Now, when you're a very giving, generous person that does a lot for others and thinks for others and spends a lot of time helping other people, there's going to come to a point where, you know, you've <laughs> potentially done a lot of that. And then when that question comes in, what's for dinner tonight? It's the kind of final straw. It's one more thing to think about, or one more thing to do. Now, I know my husband doesn't mean that. <laughs> He's not aiming to do that because when I look at it statistically, I actually do a lot of the cooking, but it's I've associated with this level of expectation or being taken for granted, which is not his fault. It's my interpretation of that phrase. And that's OK. But it's about understanding that and then aiming to not have that particular reaction or that behavior or to cause an argument when that particular sentence is actually asked. <laughs> so have a think. What is your emotional kryptonite? Thanks for listening to the Emotioneering Podcast with me, Melissa Curran, today. It's been great. Remember to subscribe to Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or all three. You can also come to the website, modernmindgroup.com, where you can subscribe there, stay in contact, and let us know what you really think. Give us the feedback. This is going to get better by knowing what you think. Uh, has this given you food for thought? Has it helped you change something? What has it inspired? Let us know because that's why we're doing it. It's all about the people, people, people. <laughs> Have a great day and ciao for now.